0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy.
1: This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's.
3: Hey everybody, Rev here. We have got some things to talk about before we get into the episode today. Uh, So the first thing, is that last week we announced that we are going to do a season two QA. Uh, the deadline for those questions is Saturday, June 13th. So if you have any questions you'd like us to answer from season two, send those to us at the cast at or you can go to thecritshowpodcast.com and go to the contact us form uh, and submit your question through there. And we will answer as many of those as we can. Also, at the end of this week on Saturday, the 30th, that's our actual anniversary. You know, we're going to celebrate our anniversary today. Uh, but our actual two-year anniversary is on the 30th. So Saturday the 30th at 8.30 p.m., we're going to do some streaming. We're going to get the whole cast together and play some Jackbox games. Uh, So if you want to join us over at twitch.tv slash thecritshow at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday the 30th, come hang out with us, chat some, we'll have a good time. And speaking of our anniversary, I'm going to pick the winner of our cosplay contest. Before I do, thank you to everyone who submitted. We got amazing entries, characters that I never would have imagined people would have picked a cosplay. It was awesome to see those coming in to the website, so thank you to everyone who entered. Uh, But to pick the winner here, I have made a list out. I have a not insubstantial die in my hand, and I figured what better way to pick the winner than with the roll of a die. So everyone has got a number assigned to them, so here we go. And the winner is Oscar Linzenmayer. So congratulations, Oscar. I will get a hold of you soon to get your prizes in the mail. And thank you again to everybody who submitted. We will find a way to feature all of you on our page uh, and on our social media very soon. So to get to the meat of today's episode, a couple months ago... We got some new cast members, and we didn't announce what it was we were working on with them, but we have been working behind the scenes putting together this new show. So I think it's finally time to say what it is. We are playing Rapscallion by Magpie Games, and before we get into the episode, I am joined by the creator of Rapscallion, Whistler. So Whistler, what can you tell us about? about Rapscallion.
4: Scallion is a PBTA game powered by the Apocalypse game. Uh, it's still an Ashcan version right now. Um, and it's about a crew of of weird pirates and their ship and their adventures together on some slightly bizarre, magical high seas.
3: So I had the opportunity to grab Scallion at Gen Con last year. What is an Ashcan version?
4: Ashcans are, um, I'm not sure if they're unique to my publisher Magpie Games, but Magpie Games does a lot of them. They're small, like mini pocket versions of a role-playing game um, that they usually sell at places like Gen Con before the full game's release. Optimally, right, like RepsGallion would be sold in a a larger version with all the rules. Um, But an Ashcan is meant to be perfectly playable um, mini version of the game for use uh, in playtests. Optimally, we'd uh, get data and um, playtest information into the final version of the game, make it better optimally. The best way to improve any game is through playtesting.
3: So I've had a chance to go through... Rapscallion, and we here have had a chance to play a little bit of it. What are some of your favorite elements of this game? There is so much for me, super cool stuff in here. What what are some of your favorite things in this? That's okay. Am, am That's I hilarious. asking you to pick children?
4: Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> just a little bit. The PBTA style has a reputation for being sort of rules-light, and Rapscallion pushes on that a little bit. We had issue putting it into 60, I think originally ash cans were supposed to be 50 pages, and this was like, I think, pushing 60, uh, because there was just a lot of stuff to cover i like combining pirates with weird magic so just in general genre terms i like the weird magic that you can do or abandon entirely depending on what playbooks you choose i like the fact that you can get npcs um and give them tags that like explain a little bit about them you can make your npc you know demonic or wild who he might mutiny against you Mm -hmm. or You know, she is uh, skilled with medicine or something, and you can give them personality through the mechanics, which I like.
3: I really like the magic in the world and how the deeds that you do or the things that you lust over can physically change your appearance.
4: Yeah, I like pirates are about humans, so they're all humans, but humans can be a lot of things in this game, I think. Yeah. (laughs) That kind of ties in with the vice system, uh, the weaknesses that you can have uh, that uh, sort of compel you to do things like lust after treasure and and follow the demon speaking in your head and, and other very piratical vices.
3: So what are some of the inspirations that you drew from as you were creating the various elements of this game?
4: Do you want positive inspirations or do you want negative inspirations?
3: Uh, you know what? I, I'll take either because knowing what has affected someone good or bad is oftentimes a, a good, I don't know if learning experience is the right thing I want to say, but
4: yeah, I think spite and frustration can be equally great ways <laughs> yeah. of creating a game as joy and excitement. In yeah. the fact, they could be better. Like you have a great like urban shadows and masks and dungeon world are all like inspirations for Rapscallion. Um, but they're all good at their jobs, you know, like, I don't want to create another dungeon world. It's doing it's doing great by itself. So uh, the anger of someone else doing the job incorrectly can be equally uh, telling. That being said, the pirate games out there that I uh, learned about. I worked at a um, at a comic book store, a local comic book store that specialized in indie RPGs, which is how I got into them. And I got really excited when I saw Seventh Sea. I don't know if you've heard of that game. It's uh, it's another piratical game. I wouldn't say it's pirate specific. It's more swashbuckling adventure, uh, not not super specific to Pirates, but I kind of assumed it was and got very excited going into the game. Like, oh yes, this is this is what I've been hoping for. And reading it, uh, 7C is a, is a perfectly great game for what it is, um, but it wasn't what I was like searching, what I was yearning for. Yeah. Um, so reading that and deciding what I wanted to do differently was one of the reasons why I started tinkering with Rapscallion.
3: So do you have any advice for someone who wants to run a game of Rapscallion? Any, I don't know, little tidbit that you've come up with? as you've done some of these play tests that maybe isn't in the book or uh, any piece of advice that you would would want to give them?
4: I would say that... There's a couple things. Um, the first one is that, that you should lean into the gaps, um, caused by the moves. Um, the moves of a PBTA game are kind of the core of it. It's what dictates what the entire game is about. And there were a couple of big omissions we made to the moves in Rapscallion that we did because we wanted the GM to lean into those omissions. There's no acrobatics move in Rapscallion. We used to have a move called Daring Do that lets you do like fun, you're on a ship and you want to swing on a rope to another pirate ship and fight the captain there, that's daring do. Um And it wasn't working for some reason whenever we play tested it. And we realized it was because pirates should always get to look cool and do cool shit. If you get the chance to fail at cool shit, that can be kind of a bummer. It can kind of take away from the pirate image. The real question is like, what are you doing on the other side of that ship? Are you coming in to save a crewmate? Well, maybe you're aiding them and spending bond. Are you coming in to like grab some treasure? Well, maybe you're breaking in, you know, are you coming in there to like uh, drop on the pirates and like like get the drop on them basically? That might be a dirty trick. You Mm -hmm. know, like there are other ways of framing things like that that make it more interesting and more emotionally powerful, more focused maybe. Like always let the players look cool. If, if you get the chance to. Yeah. Another thing would be the same thing with a perception move, which is pretty common in other PBTA games. Rapscallion doesn't have one. This is actually something uh, me and my publisher, Magpie Games, uh, talked about pretty extensively. We wanted the pirates to have the information from the get-go and not need to work for it, because making the choice is more interesting than not discovering that there's a choice at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that'll work, but that's what the Ashcan is for. Hopefully, Hopefully we'll get some information on that.
3: So as this game develops, where can people go to find and follow either you or the game?
4: Rapscallion RPG does have a Facebook page of that same name, Rapscallion RPG, um, and that's where we kind of put developments in the game, places you can find people playing the game. So as you guys have adventures with this game, we'll probably put a link up there. Uh, you can also go to MagpieGames.com. They have um, updates on the actual like sale dates and things like that of different games. As for myself, I'm at Art of Whistler on twitter you can also find me at artofwhistler at gmail.com I also have a tumblr but no one uses those nowadays so I don't <laughs> think that's all
3: we are very excited to continue playing Rav Scallion and, and to see how it develops uh, as it makes its way towards a full book.
4: I'm excited too, and I hope to, to watch you guys have adventures. That'll absolutely help us out a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's always great to see people playing the game.
3: Well, thank you again for joining us today. And now, without further ado, please enjoy the first episode of our newest show, Perilous Tides. <laughs>
5: Listen close, and mark my words true. There be danger here, so venture not into the forge waters with a weak constitution. Our goal be fortune and renown, and our aim be at the hearts of those what would stand in our way. If you be so bold, then it's all hands on deck as we set sail on perilous tides.
6: Welcome to the Sovereign Sea, a world of magic, pirates, privateers, and war. In this world, our sailors aboard the Wandering Star traverse factions of all sorts, sizes, and powers, such as the Sharks, who lust for gold and power, the Queen's Navy that keeps all of the people of the Sovereign Sea safe, and the Seven, the Pirate Kings and Queens, that take what they want when they want it. Our crew are specialists, above all the rest, in that they wield magic, and skill on their ship. We are playing Rapscallion by Magpie Games, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse pirate adventure. In this game, these people are, as most Powered by the Apocalypse games would have for playbooks, they're specialists. They have abilities uh, and skill that is above the average Joe, and uh, they are working together on this ship. I'm Tass. I am the GM, or the Fates, for our game, which we are calling perilous tides. Around the
1: table we have... I'm Jake and I'm playing Tristan Callahan.
0: I'm Megan and I'm playing Theodora Theo Drake. I'm Kim and I'm playing Ada Hawthorne.
3: And I'm Rev and I'm playing Sayer.
6: Let's just go ahead and start talking about the
1: people that we have built here today, shall we? Yes, please. Jake, you want to start us off? Oh, sure. I shouldn't have spoken. <laughs> I am playing the captain, Tristan Callahan. Tristan is a little under six feet tall. He's got sort of auburn hair that's kind of long and pulled back in like a half ponytail. Uh, He wears big shiny black boots and has an impressive coat. He's got two cutlasses, one on each hip, a pistol strapped into a bandolier that's full of armor with a single explosive. He carries a set of manacles and a lantern, and he is... A titan killer. Every playbook has specials and you choose one that kind of defines your character. The titan killer means that I have killed a leviathan and have its blood on my hands so I can speak their language. I always know the way north. I can breathe underwater and I have violent nightly prophetic dreams. But if I want to remember them, I have to spend some resources in the game to get a
3: vision.
6: Uh, I think the major important question I have for you on this description is what color is that impressive coat?
3: That is the most important question. This will define how I see you for the next year.
0: (laughs) You're not allowed to buy a new one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like a dark red. Not maroon, not like blood red, but not like fire truck red either.
0: Okay, I like it. Megan. I am playing Theodora, Theo, Drake, and my playbook is The Matalo. So while not particularly tall, Theo definitely has the muscle mass of someone who has worked on a ship for a while. She has this mess of impossibly curly red hair that she keeps tied up in a bun and back out of her face. She wears dark, close-fitting pants tucked into tall boots and a looser, dark blue blouse with sleeves rolled up to her elbows. And she also has a heavy belt with a silver circular buckle uh, tied around her waist. She also has strips of cloth wrapped around her palms and wrists and brass knuckles over the fingers of both of her hands. For my kit, I get a signature weapon, heavy and blood splattered or quick and deadly. So I went with quick and deadly and those are the brass knuckles and a smaller sidearm a club, a cutlass or a sickle. So she carries around an old belaying pin from the ship, uh, which she can use as a club if she needs to. I get a tiny loyal pet. So she has a snake named Augustus, and Gus likes to stay warm, curled up in an inside pocket of her shirt. Uh, I have a stick-and-poke tattoo set with a few scant inks, so Theo likes to spend some of her free time giving out tattoos to some of the other crew uh intricate piercings just has a a couple of rows of golden hoops in each of her ears uh and a children's book of abcs (laughs) (laughs) and my special for this playbook is ink you've been marked with a tattoo of the magical sort. with the fates decide what the tattoo can do and how it assists you Uh, so the tattoo she has is of a mantis shrimp And when she punches someone, it gives her the ability to potentially stun them as well.
6: Cool. Kim.
0: I am playing Ada Hawthorne, the mountebank. Ada, at first glance,
2: does not look like much of a sailor. She is petite and inexplicably pale, despite spending most of her time out at sea and under the sun. She has long, dark brown, almost black hair, and half of it is pulled back and out of her face with some windswept braids. You can tell that her clothes were probably pretty expensive and also that they were not designed for ship life. They're starting to look a little weathered. She's dressed in an off-the-shoulder blouse and finely embroidered bodice, layers of skirts and rich fabrics that she wears pinned and hiked up a little in front, dark leather boots, a green velvet cloak with hidden pockets, and she always wears red leather gloves. The book talks about how sometimes people who are connected to magic have that manifest in their appearance. I had an idea that Ada radiates heat, very intense heat, because I do have access to a lot of powers revolving around fire. So even when she's not directly manifesting those abilities, I think that brushing up against Ada is like singeing yourself on a hot stove.
6: Oh, I like that. I think even like from a distance, people could probably even see... Like a little shimmer of heat coming up off of you. Like that's something that's just kind of always there.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
6: That's a good one. That's a good new one that we will add to the list.
2: Thanks. So for her kit, she has bottles of perfume and incense, a well-worn tarot deck, a strange dangerous spell book that she stole from her family, two discreet vials of blood from two important enemies. And I have some ideas as to who that will be, but we'll talk about that later. And a forgery kit. My special is Infernal Hunger. You have a second mouth where it shouldn't be. <laughs> Whenever you feed the mouth living flesh, take three harm to enhance your senses for the next scene. During this time, you can see, hear, and smell everything in a wide radius, even in pitch darkness. You can sense coming danger, and you may strike or shoot using spitfire instead of blood.
1: Horrifying.
2: (laughs) And I love it.
1: I like the phrasing, you have a second mouth where it shouldn't be, as if having a second mouth where it ought to be is an (laughs) option.
2: Yeah, it's also worth mentioning that the second mouth is on her right palm. That was going to be my question. (laughs) Hence the gloves.
6: Okay, Rev, who do we have here?
3: I am playing Sayer, the navigator. If you think of Sirius Black right when he escapes from azkaban that's about right oh god uh, very skinny <laughs> about six two but seems five nine because he is hunched over um there is gray streaked through his his hair and his beard and he is dressed in very worn clothing he has got faded pants and old boots and a long jacket that looks like it could be made from the canvas of an old sail and he has got a belt with a pistol in it and a bunch of charts and various vials. Uh, And then he has a pack on his back uh, that carries the rest of his gear, a beautiful golden telescope, prayer seals, wax, an ancient book of the secrets of the star gods, and a vial of Leviathan blood. And then my special is Living Legend, your navigator royalty, a sailor's myth. You've traveled to the edge of the world. Mark three locations on the map and name them they are treacherous and hazardous places but you know the way in and you can use ship moves on any ship without penalty
6: nice uh so the stats in this game there are four there is blood which is your uh, capacity to fight and your courage Uh, there is vinegar which is your cunning and your uh, ability to think quickly on your feet there is Polish, which is uh, your charisma, and then Spitfire, which is kind of this little extra, this sense of magic in your connection to the world and your fate. So, Captain Callahan.
1: So, I had uh, three stat arrays to choose from. The one that I went with is zero blood, zero vinegar, plus two polish, and minus one Spitfire. Uh, he's a very smooth talker and able to hold his own with like. Fight and prowess and and cunning. Not exceptionally tapped into kind of the magical essence of the world, though. And what are your starting moves? I start with my version of Bond. When a crewmate submits to you despite their doubts, add one rank with them. And when you push a crewmate too far, they add one rank with me or I lose a rank with them, their choice. Command, when you choose a goal and command an interested crowd... Roll plus polish, get some hold for your roll. Or when you choose a goal and command your crew, spend some bond with any crew and roll plus the bond you spend on a hit they're compelled to do as you say. I get some hold and pick some things from a list. And the White Whale choose an obsession. If you see the opportunity to pursue your goal at the expense of your crewmates, you may permanently lose one rank with a crewmate of your choice and take plus two dice ongoing until the opportunity is passed. If you manage to achieve your ambition to your satisfaction, mark all luck, mark experience, and choose a new obsession.
6: Uh, We'll talk a little more about rank and bond and how that connects to each other when we go back and talk about your character's connections. But that is essentially the social currency in this game. Megan, let's hear about Theo's stats.
0: So I took plus two blood, minus two vinegar, zero polish, and plus one spitfire. She's uh, real good at punching stuff. Not very, uh, sneaky or charismatic. And the moves that I start with are bond. When you protect a crewmate from a terrible fate, add one rank with them. When you harm something a crewmate cares about, they add one rank with you, or you lose one rank with them. Their choice. I have heart of gold, so when you support or protect a crewmate, describe how you're doing it. Spend one bond with them and choose one of the following options. So I chose add or subtract two from their roll and keep them conscious and alive. And then my last one is fisticuffs. Your fists are to harm close weapons. When you want to bust through something, take the angry or bloodthirsty weakness and roll plus blood. On a hit, you destroy any object in your way. On a seven to nine, you destroy something you didn't intend or harm yourself in the process. Your choice. On a six or below, your violence is your undoing.
6: Okay, Kim, let's hear about... Ada.
2: My stats are minus two blood, plus one vinegar, plus one polish, plus one spitfire. So she is cunning, she is talkative, she is innately magical, she is terrible in a fight. I feel like I have one important aspect of my character that I haven't really talked about yet, so we're going to talk about that move first. Devil's Contract. You have made a contract with a demon. Now it grows inside you like a cancer. You may have rank with your demon. At character creation, mark the bedeviled weakness. I'm Mark luck equal to rank with my demon, and when I allow my demon to feed on my life force, I can take the bedeviled weakness, or one harm if I'm already bedeviled, to mark additional luck. My bond move. Whenever you forsake your crewmates for personal gain and power, add one rank with your demon and lose one rank with the crewmate. The crewmate must lose one rank with you. Whenever you resist your demon's desires at a crucial moment, lose one rank with your demon. An affected crewmate chooses whether they add one rank with you or you add one rank rank with them. So what do I do with my demon and all that luck? My other starting move is called Dark Magician. When you wish to evoke one of your dark powers, spend luck and roll plus Spitfire. On a six or below, your demon takes control. If I spend one luck, I get to choose from six different powers. If I roll a 10 plus, I can choose the power. On a seven to nine, I roll 1d6 and it randomly decides what power activates. (laughs) (laughs) And if I spend two luck, I can do the same thing, but choose from a slightly wilder, more powerful table.
3: All right, Rev. So Sayer is minus one blood, plus one vinegar, minus one polish, plus two spitfire. So he is very sharp, very connected to the magical world. Not that interested in fighting people and not that interested in people in general. <laughs> Fair. Um, and this is backed up by his bond move. When you make a move that requires social skills, you can choose to miss. Mark all luck, so I regain oh. all of my luck points, and lose one rank with a crewmate of your choice. Uh, when you hit a social move to help out a crewmate, they add one rank to you, or you add one rank to them, their choice. And then my other moves are Star Caller. You follow the stars, and sometimes they follow you back. Whenever you wish to bless a crewmate or yourself, spend luck and call upon the available constellation of the current season. If the crewmate attempts that constellation's associated move anytime before next sunrise, they take as many luck points and dice as I spent. And then my last move is prophesied. Whenever you sleep, you may receive a prophecy. Take the starstruck weakness and roll plus spitfire. If you already have the starstruck weakness, uh, you take minus one ongoing until the weakness is gone. And on a 10 plus, at any time within the next few days, you can pull luck strings and prophesize something strange or fortunate to occur. Describe what happens in your prophecy. It will happen, logic and fates permitting. On a 7 to 9, as 10 plus, but the fates get a raise. They may spend the raise to break reality and cause something strange and unnatural to occur. On a 6 or below, fates get a raise as per 7 to 9, and you receive a blurred vision of future danger.
6: So let's go ahead and jump back to Jake and uh, see what your questions are.
3: In addition
1: to your kit, you have a mysterious old map claiming to lead to treasure. How did you obtain it? Mark its treasure X on the world map. So I was hired onto a, not not onto a crew, but kind of into a fleet. I had a ship and crew and this other captain, Captain Cole, uh, was going around asking for people to join him on this voyage because he had this map. And it was way down south in the forge waters, kind of in dangerous terrain where the Leviathans are known to live. So he was looking for some daring folk to accompany him to try and make it through this journey and everybody would get a split of the treasure. But the journey went poorly and Captain Cole did not make it. And before he sank to the bottom of the ocean, I grabbed this map off of him. Question two, you possess a treasure or business or title Who did you sacrifice to get it? I have a business. It is the Allerton Banana Company. Melvin Allerton was a merchant that I had a problem with, and uh, at some point it came to a head, and I killed him. Callahan is kind of a cold-blooded guy. He is not a good person. But I killed him, and I went to his second-in-command and just gave him enough money that when I said, oh... Allerton left to start a new life somewhere else. He left me in charge of the business. That guy just went, yeah, that sounds right. Welcome aboard. Um, So this company is kind of running in the background all of the time. Uh, the, the second in command is really the first in command, but I am the technical owner at this point. Question three, this is your ship. How did it come into your possession? On that same journey with Captain Cole, uh, as we were just getting ruined, we got wrecked by a Leviathan and much of the fleet did not pull through, uh, my original ship included. Cole had come over to my ship to try and recover me and some of the crew and see what he could do about it, uh, and that was where he met his ultimate fate. Not specifically at my hands, but when he died, uh, I managed to get aboard his ship and, similar with the company, I took it under my control instead. Uh, I kind of took his crew and what was left of my crew and explained to them that their captain was dead, but they need one and I was here for this voyage and so I was going to be the captain now. Did you forge on and get the treasure? We were decimated. We mm. we pulled back what was left of the fleet, which was not much. We turned around and, and sailed back. So I kept that map in my possession in the hopes that one day I can go back and claim the treasure. Very cool. And finally, you begin with one rank with your ship and four rank to allocate to your crewmates. Who do you have rank with? So I've got the one with the ship, the wandering star, one rank each with ada and sayre and to rank with theo uh and once we kind of get to some of theo's stuff i will explain
0: why speaking of which theo's first question is you will protect the ship a crewmate or a lackey at all costs when have you failed to do so in the past so i went with the ship theo is not on the wandering star by choice she is there because she has been ordered to be there so theo's mother ran a very successful tailor shop that outfitted not only the prestigious upper class, but everyone who had the money to buy from her, including pirates. She was particularly popular for making clothing with hidden pockets, and things like reversible coats that could be used as a quick way to change your appearance if someone was looking for you. But she racked up an incredibly large debt to one of the pirate royalty, and one day she just disappeared. No one's sure if she was taken by someone else, or if she just went into hiding to try and avoid paying, but either way, her debt has been passed on down to Theo. And Theo wasn't really close with her mother. Uh, She was actually working for the Allerton Banana Company, (laughs) delivering shipments of bananas and she was contacted by the pirate queen her mother owed given this tattoo that gave her this powerful ability and assigned to join the crew of the wandering star and told to protect the ship at all costs and to assist the crew with whatever tasks that it had been given but uh, initially she tried to get out of it and go back home so she abandoned her post at the ship and tried to return home but by the time she got to her house she found it completely on fire uh, so realizing that this was her punishment for not staying to protect the ship she takes this assignment far more seriously now so my second question is in addition to your kit you possess a token of affection or the promise of a favor from an old friend what faction does this friend represent mark their location on the map So Theo has a very strange coin given to her by a childhood friend. Uh, His name was Evan, and they were best friends who spent most of their childhood talking about how when they grew up, they were going to get out of the town they lived in and be free to do whatever they wanted. Uh, But as they grew older and kind of got more responsibilities, their paths kind of diverged. And he left to go join one of the established factions. Uh, But before he left, he gave her this strange green coin with an imprint of two triangles on it. Uh, as a promise that they would meet up again someday. So my last question is, the sea has done things to you. What superstition will you follow at all costs? So Theo's superstition that she strongly believes in is that tattoos have power. Um, I think that's emboldened by the fact that she now has one that literally gives her this power. Uh, But the, the superstition that different tattoos and the symbolism behind them will grant you luck from the fates or will benefit your voyages in some way. She just really strongly believes that. So that's a big part of why she spends her time tattooing the other people that she sails with. And my last one is my rank. So I begin with one rank with the ship and I have three rank to allocate to my crewmates. So I have one each with Callahan, Ada, and Sayer.
6: I had a question too. Where exactly is the tattoo? And like, how big is it?
0: I think it's on the back of her right hand with the tail going up her wrist. To elaborate,
1: the reason that I have to rank with Theo then is partially because she was tied to this old company that I took over. So we have like an extant history and partly because I don't totally know why she's on my ship. I know that she's here for a reason that is unclear and I don't completely trust it.
6: And I think two that we can say as much because Theo knows, who obviously gave her this, is specifically the pirate queen, Salarac Nines, uh, one of the most elusive of the seven. You know, most of them are pretty well known. They have known territory, but Salarac does not. She stays on the move. She has a smallish crew compared to the others. Um, she is by far the most mysterious. Uh, let's talk about Ada's questions.
2: All right. So my demon is soft-spoken and devilish, wild and loony, or eldritch and ancient. I went with soft-spoken and devilish. And what is its current desire? My demon wants me to take the dangerous spell book that I stole from my family and perform a ritual in it that requires vials of blood from members of the wings of life.
6: Okay. And that is one of the factions. Yes.
2: Yeah. So I have two already and it wants me to collect more and take them to the Black Arch and do some sort of ritual to bring about something that he won't tell me what it will do. In addition to your kit, you have a dark token given to you by your demon representing your contract. My dark token is a silver amulet that I wear around my neck with a flawed ruby at the center. Why did I make the deal? Uh, Interesting point. I didn't. I inherited my demon. My great grandmother Walberga made a contract with a demon who she summoned and named after her deceased husband. So I call this demon Montague or Monty. Monty gave my great grandmother dark powers, the cost of which was that these powers and Monty himself would keep transferring down the women in my family. So it transferred to my grandmother, to my mother and then to me after my mother's passing. What kind of teeth does Monty have?
3: Oh, Oh, no.
2: I think Monty has pretty sharp teeth. Um, He
3: does want flesh.
2: Yeah, he craves not just flesh, Rev, living flesh. All right. Choose a crewmate. Why did you tell them your secret? Ada, having seen Monty feed off the life force of her grandmother and mother, and not too thrilled about being next in line, tried to run away from her fate. She fled the family home. She took to a life of grifting. She tried to put as much distance between herself and her destiny as she could, and that meant going to sea. Ada initially stowed away onto the wandering star, and I think Tristan found her out and was going to throw her overboard until she she suddenly started manifesting monty and these demonic powers he found out her secret and decided to keep her aboard because she could be useful and that's why i'm starting with one rank with tristan and one rank with monty
3: all right sayer what are your questions sometimes you talk to this ship what secrets does it tell you so sayer is from that original crew under captain cole on the wandering star he was on that voyage where captain cole was lost And he stayed with the ship when Tristan came aboard. And the secret that the ship tells me is when there are dead bodies below it. Uh, Because of the way we lost the captain, Um, the captain seemed to have drowned and we didn't know he was under there. And so now the ship tells me when there are when there are bodies below. Nice. You are an open radio channel to the stars on a specific trigger. You're compelled to have a draining vision of another place, time or person. Uh, And my trigger is when I step onto a new ship and because of my connection to the stars and the world and traveling, uh, I am compelled to have a vision of another time on this ship because my ship talks to me so much, they want to show me important things that have happened on them. Superb. And then you've been given a dark prophecy about the ship, a crewmate or an enemy. And I think the dark vision I've had is of the ship that in this vision, the wandering star I see it sailing the seas and it is crewed by hellish creatures. I don't know if they're undead. I don't know if they're demons, what they are, but Captain Cole is their captain. And then how can I prevent it? The only way that I can think to prevent it when I got this vision was to stay on the ship and be its spiritual bodyguard that I have to save it from being reclaimed by something unholy or unnatural. I love it. And you begin two rank with the ship and one rank to allocate to a crewmate. I think that my crewmate has to be Tristan. I think that there was a a deal struck um, when I agreed to stay on board. Uh, And I think that is how I got my vial of Leviathan's blood. I think that however you killed this Leviathan, there was some you had and it has power to it. The game doesn't really dictate what that power is, uh, but that was part of my bargain was some of the, the remnants of the Leviathan.
6: Okay. So I think we have a good idea of who you all are and how you connect. A couple of other quick decision things just to paint what you do and how you do it. Um, First of all, you're on the Wandering Star. This is a ship that takes a crew of a little more than 50 sailors. So what kind of ship is this? What do you do?
1: Uh, Our ship is a brigantine which is kind of a moderately sized two-masted vessel. You know, to a large degree, we do... What we want to do, but we have to get paid, and that's what we like. So we do what other people want us to do as long as it'll work out for us and seems like an acceptable time.
6: Largely speaking, you are unaffiliated. You are your own captain for your own crew for your own purposes. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, we're a known name. Like, we're not heavily feared, or, you know, the pirate lords don't quake in their boots when they hear (laughs) about us, but I think they recognize the name of the ship and, like, the names on the crew.
6: So, yeah, there are. There are factions in this world. This is a a world of survival, so people band together for whatever reason. In the greater sovereign sea, there are many islands, mostly broken off of a small continent called Grodmal, which loosely translates to the Great Moon, as it is vaguely crescent moon shaped. The continent is actually named by a group called the Shoremen. So, the Shoremen are one of the many big factions here in our world. Uh, The Shoremen, in particular, are kind of a Viking like group. They are actually the first ones that came over from the West, they left a year or two before the greater group of people traveled across the sea to this area. And since they were the first ones here, they wanted the continent, the biggest landmass, because they don't really like the big open seas. They stick closer to shores uh, and the closer islands to the mainland. Um, they, they kind of forsake a lot of the deep water travel and ships uh, in lieu of longboats, and they don't use as much in the way of gunpowder and things like that. They they like the old ways a little more, um, so they're more into the use of magic and their swords and axes. As far as other factions, I think the big one is the Queen's Navy. Um, you know, the Queen of Ages back is the one that brought over the mass of people to this set of islands in the Sovereign Sea. They commonly are called the Bucketheads by most. The Queens, all the way back, from the time that they did come over, for some reason have burned or gotten rid of any of the knowledge of why people came across the Western Sea to here. And people have kind of moved on. They don't really care. Life is, is going on. And so that knowledge has seemed to pass from most people's recollection. So they do what they can to keep people safe, hunt down pirates. But of course, just like anything, there are bad eggs in the mix as well. There is the Guild of Ink. They are commonly called the Sharks by most. These are the merchant kings of this world. They run business in most capacities. Um, So if there is gold to be run, their people are the ones generally running it. They've got their finger in the pot of just about every big business in this world. And they are called the Sharks because of the magic of this world. People that are particularly drawn towards greed, their skin turns gray, their eyes begin to grow black, and their teeth become sharp and pointed. So those that are higher up in the ranks especially um that you know live their life by this greed of of gold and and wealth and power they slowly become the sharks there are the wings of life another big faction these are plague doctor like captains that have one major goal they want to experiment with bringing people back from the dead so there's a lot of controversy with these because some people of course want to live forever they seek out the wings of life and these mystics and scientists and people that do a little bit of both that bring people back in various ways they they want to talk to them they want to ensure their eternal life of course others find this absolutely abhorrent and are constantly trying to hunt down the wings of life and uh, take them out because each of these captains literally have a crew of the dead that work for them in many different capacities, some more zombie-like, some walking skeletons, some alchemical mixes that keep these bodies moving. And each of these captains are specifically known for their bird-like aesthetic. Their plague doctor masks match their name so you have the captains, such as the kingfisher the crane and the owl lastly of course the seven the pirate kings and queens there are seven of them spread across the sovereign sea they would be the mightiest group the mightiest faction the most powerful if they didn't hate each other each one is renowned as powerful because through the ages they have passed down to each new pirate king or queen a relic of old, a magic item or artifact that gives them great power. There's a lot of mystery surrounding what these artifacts are and how they work, where they originated. But everyone knows not to mess with them because of these artifacts. So these factions are out there. There are a lot of other smaller ones too that we might come across. Um, but those few are around and powerful, and you know they have figures that everybody knows at any given time you might be working for them or you might be running from them all right i think that concludes our character creation so let's set sail into the sovereign sea rev roll prophesied 10 we see a stretch of ocean with no land in sight the waves are choppy The sky is dark though it's day. The clouds are heavy, not yet spilling a storm. Through the waves cuts a massive ship painted in silver and dark blue. It's lined with a dozen massive cannons and hundreds of the Queen's Navy crawl over the ship. Other ships pop up out of the water seemingly from nowhere and are instantly blasted by the cannons from the massive ship. A large, imposing figure stands at the wheel, calling orders as the cannons blast the smaller ships down into the sea, into their oblivion. We see under the waves as this massive ship cuts through the water, where Captain Callahan is struggling to swim. There's something writhing in the deep. It's sinking lower and lower, getting out of his view. There's another man there, Captain Thatcher Cole, his hand reaches up in the water towards Captain Tristan Callahan, pleading, his eyes fearful and somewhat angry. Captain Callahan reaches out his hand. And then you wake up, Captain Callahan, in the inn of a tavern on the island of Teardrop in the small city known as Clearwater. Sayer, you wake up from these same images In your bunk in the Wandering Star, covered in sweat. Mainly the images of the massive ship from the Queen's Navy seems to echo in your mind. Make sure to mark your starstruck weakness as this vision has overtaken you. All right. Uh, Jake, do you want to... Use luck to remember this dream. Usually this is a thing I think that you can invoke yourself, but I'm kind of giving you a freebie here, giving you a chance to use it.
1: Well, now, (laughs) yes, I will mark luck.
6: And as for Sayer, having marked a weakness here, so weaknesses are kind of another track that can be used that's both a little bit your health and uh, a little bit opportunity for me to invoke things against or sometimes for you. Um, So everyone has six weaknesses and they're something that can be remedied, but it might be something like blinded. Uh, If you're blinded, you have to get medical attention to get rid of that. Uh, If you do mark all six weaknesses and then... Something happens where I have to ask you to mark another weakness. That's kind of the same thing as losing all of your health. We go into into the moves that deal with you potentially dying.
3: So starstruck is the weakness and the way that I can cure it is by making a foolish decision uh, and the way that this affects me is that the fate tasks you pick a new trigger for my second question. So it is no longer when I step on a new boat. I get a vision of a different time at a trigger of your choosing.
6: That's outstanding. It's early morning here in Clearwater. Theo, Ada, whether you have slept in or not, it's about the time that the entire crew is up and bustling. Some in the inns on the small port, uh, some on the ship that we're keeping it maintained. The crew of the Wandering Star is in between jobs. It's been a week or so of nothing in particular going on, just spending money, relaxing, and having a good time. Clearwater, in particular, is a renowned neutral port. Uh, It is the furthest west of all of the islands in the Sovereign Sea. People come here from all over. Pirates, mercenaries, soldiers, all here are welcome under a neutral banner, the really It's mostly just pirates. You don't see a lot of other people. You know, even Queen's Navy do show up. People aren't going to give them too much trouble. Uh, What do you think you're doing on a day that's just relaxed with no work, Captain?
1: Uh, I think I'm trying to find our next job. I think I've I've been spending the days... Like, you know, I, I like downtime to some degree, but I get bored quicker than most, so... I'm spending my day going around trying to see if anybody has work for us.
6: Very good. Uh, you certainly do find some postings. You know people to talk to, and there are a smattering of things. There are bounties out on people um, from various factions for various reasons. Um, there are a few cargo hauls. You know, it's all pretty basic, some stuff that pays okay. Uh, but nothing in particular at the moment that's going to be a high-paying job. But you also know that this changes day to day.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm holding out for a decent payday.
6: Okay, very good. Uh, Theo, what is she up to on a chill day out in the beautiful clear water?
0: Uh, I am still on the ship. I think I would be spending time while we're not working, kind of going around and doing an inventory for things that we need for upkeep on the ship, uh, things that need to be done, making a list of supplies we need to get, just everything to keep the ship at peak running shape.
6: Okay, um, I think you would be working pretty closely with your bosun, David Douglas. He is a very bookish man. He likes to keep things tidy, but he's not necessarily the best people person for when it means going out to get stuff or haggle. But yeah, he's, he's following you around marking stuff. Yes, um, Theo, I do believe we were very low on, um, well, pretty much anything that they need for the kitchen. Not so much the food, but uh, maintaining the cleanliness. Uh, we need to get some supplies for that and flour. Um, that's all I have on my list. Does, does that seem right to you?
0: Uh, yeah, that seems about right. Let's see if we can get some different ingredients, too. I am so sick of the same meals we've been having every single day for weeks.
6: Oh, yes, yes, of course. Um, would you like me to to be the one to go out and do that?
0: And he's clearly
6: anxious about that thought.
0: I don't care who does it. Just write it down, run it past Callahan when he gets back, and get supplies so we can be ready to go as soon as he comes back with a new job for us.
6: Ah, yes, yes, absolutely, I will do so. And he scurries off. Ada, what do you think she's up to?
2: I think I am in town. I am occupying a table in the corner of the tavern. And I've got a little sign next to me that says fortune's red for 50 coins each. And I want to grab someone off the ship who's not actively doing something and who seems like they would be cool. And I'm pretty sure that person is going to be Ellen Booth the powder monkey.
1: Okay. Grab someone who seems like they're not a narc.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty sure Ellen can hang.
3: God, I hope we don't have any narcs on a pirate ship.
2: (laughs) I grab Ellen. All right. So what I want you to do is I want you to sit down at this table, and I'm going to read your fortune, and then in two hours, I want you to come back and loudly proclaim how everything I told you was true and that you found hidden treasure exactly where I told you it would be, and that everyone else should get in on this because I'm only going to be telling fortunes for the rest of the evening. Got it?
6: Hell yeah, Shug, I'm in. (laughs) All right, let's go. All right, she is excited. She's ready to go. (laughs) She's like practicing her speeches under her breath. I oh, can't believe what I found. Oh my goodness. And and she, she's in. She is with you.
2: Excellent. All right, let's go run this. Okay,
6: Sayer, you have woken up from this devastating dream of, of these seemingly innocent ships being obliterated by this massive warship of the Queen's Navy. Um, but it is early in the day with nothing to do. What are you doing?
3: I come busting up the stairs- And I make my way up to the helm, and I have got my telescope, uh, and I start to look at the horizon. Ah, shit. Come on. Come on. What time is it? Anyone, what time is it right now? Uh, one of the sailors calls up,
6: uh, about 8 a.m.?
3: Fine, 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 fine. Here, here, put this back in my bunk, and I'm gonna start making my way towards the gangplank.
6: I think as you do, you spot a ship on the horizon. And you can tell from the dark blue sails with the silver insignia that while it is a much smaller ship than what you had seen in your vision, it is absolutely a Queen's Navy ship coming towards the harbor.
3: Oh Pass the word around. Bucketheads are coming in.
6: And uh, yeah, some sailors hop to it and a few scurry off the ship and start yelling up and down the port. Where was
3: the last place anyone saw Callahan?
6: I think he stayed the night at the brass chandelier.
3: All right, all right. And I will start heading down the gangplank again.
6: All right, making your way to the tavern? Yes. All right, Callahan, are you still there or have you been walking the town?
1: Yeah, I think I've been just walking the town. You know, shooting the shit, looking at the boards and seeing what I could find. I'm probably, once that's done, making my way back towards the
3: ship.
6: Okay. Uh, It is very easy to say that you run into each other in the
3: interim. I saw something when I was sleeping last night. There was a man of war, enormous, and other ships being destroyed by it. And and you were underwater, but you weren't alone. You were struggling to, to bring something up. And Cole was there. And he was reaching for you but then he looked angry or uh, frustrated and then it's all a blur of, of water and sound but something's on the way i think i'm kind of
1: uncomfortable knowing that like i've shared this dream with you uh so i'm kind of trying to skirt the subject what does any of that have to do with the bucket heads
3: the man of war was a queen's ship the one sinking all the other vessels around it there's one on the horizon sailing this way
1: Clear water is a neutral island. We'll have no problems with the bucket heads here.
3: Ah, Fine. Piss in the wind is good as talk to you and start to head back towards the ship.
1: (laughs) Well, what do you suggest? Do you want to unfurl and make way? We have no work! There'll be no work on the bottom of the ocean. Uh, I'm just kind of pacing rapidly behind as he shittily walks away to the ship, and I'm like, Fine! Fine! Make ready the crew. We'll get ready to go. No work, no food in our hold, no money in our purse. No, it'll be fine. Uh Theo, it's about this
6: time that you realize the hubbub on the ship, like the sailors are rushing back and forth and you hear some of the murmurs of bucketheads, bucketheads incoming. And um yeah, what do you want to do?
0: Uh I don't think she would panic or have any feeling to rush to action, uh, especially with Callahan not being on board. She doesn't really run anything and she like takes all her orders directly from him, but I think she wants to make sure everyone is aware. I lean over to David and I say, it looks like we have incoming bucket heads, so just make sure the crew is prepared to take whatever action Callahan decides when he gets back. Oh, uh,
6: yes, yes, of course. And he scurries off to make ready. Ada, I think... You had gotten set up with Ellen. You're starting to read her fortune. You even have a person or two in line behind her. And you can tell these are people from around here. They're probably just doing this more for the novelty at this point. But hey, a customer is a customer. And suddenly activity. People are moving back and forth. Nobody's panicked because this just isn't really a town that panics. Um, But when you see people moving closer to the dock in earnest, you know something's
2: up. All right, I'm drawing my cards and I'm going, and the Queen of Pentacles upright, that tells me that, wait, sorry, what's happening?
6: Oh, I don't know. Everybody's rushing towards the dock. Um, Do you want me to run, take a look? Might as well.
2: All right, I'm so sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I will be back in port in maybe a week or two. If you'd like to reserve your spot, that'll be 50 coin and you'll be first on the list when I come back.
6: Okay, roll hoodwink to see if you can get these people's money. When you hoodwink someone with a clever lie, roll plus polish. On a hit, you've pulled it off. And on a seven to nine, you pick one, which those are... Uh, They'll catch on soon. You'll cause collateral damage or your deception works too well, which is my favorite thing. So let's see what you get.
2: All right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's a 12. (laughs)
6: Okay, no problem. Uh, Both of the people in line come up. And they clearly don't have a lot of coin, but they try to haggle. They're like, yeah, I've got 40 coin with me here. Um, and the other one's like, oh, I've got I've got 37. Is that enough?
2: You know what? Because of these extraordinary circumstances, I will take it. Just write your names on this scroll and I will definitely remember them. And next time I'm back, I will make sure you're taken care of. Thank you. Goodbye.
6: All right. You can mark that you have just made 77 coin uh, and you... Follow Ellen out of the tavern. Amazing. Callahan, you can see that this ship is pulling in and it is flying its neutral flag. It's, you know, not a, not a white flag of I give up, but just a neutral flag of we're here and we're chill. Um, and I think you can see that this is the queen's ship known as the Victory. Does it look like the ship from the Dream? It does not. I mean, they're all fairly similar in just paint and such, um,
1: but yeah, this is quite a bit smaller. Look, Mr. Sir, it's not the same ship. Everyone else here is putting out a show of force. It's too late, they're already in the harbor. Let's make ready the crew, stay prepared to get underway, stay on board the ship. If things turn sour, we'll have the jump and the run.
3: Yes, that's fair. As long as there's a ship slower than us, we'll get away fine.
1: Okay, I will give that direction to the crew as we get back on board. Everyone... Make her out of your positions. We're not leaving yet, but we want to be prepared. In case things go south, Mr. Sayre has a feeling that the Queen's Navy may be here with bad news.
3: And I'm going to look around for the crewmate that I handed my telescope to. Where did you put it?
1: Oh, the telescope? Yes. Oh, I
6: leaned it up against the foremast. Oh, my
3: God, you idiot. I'm going to go over and pick it up and plop it back down and try to look over at the ship to see if I see anyone recognizable.
6: You absolutely do. You know, I I would say it's safe to say you'd have to know a lot about an individual faction to pull out specific names of just random captains. But there are a few that are up there that just people in general know. And you would know the man walking off of this ship as Commodore Langdon Fitzwalter. He is very commonly called the banker uh, because it is fairly well known that he's one of the Few very high ranking members of the navy that has been known to make deals with pirates.
3: Well, you may have just gotten your wish, Callahan. Fitzwater's coming off that boat, and he can only be coming here for one reason something the Queen doesn't want to get her hands dirty with. See, it's a good thing
1: we didn't take off, isn't it?
3: Yes, well, why don't we wait and see what he has to say? Yes, yeah, so let's go earn us some work.
6: And he has made his way to the docks. He has uh, two guards in tow that are each carrying small crates, and uh, he's walking with purpose towards the city center. Um, I think it's safe to say that Theo is up on deck by now to check in and that Ada has made it back with Ellen. Yeah, what are you all doing as you watch this little procession of Queen's Navy men walking into town?
1: I think I'm, like, running off the ship power walking to intercept him and waving for the rest of them to follow me not the full crew but at least these three
6: i think ellen follows too just because she's been following ada like this is exciting
2: (laughs) hell yeah i think ellen and i were just about to walk onto the dock towards the ship and then we see tristan start tearing out of the dock the other direction and we just sort of immediately about face and then start following tristan
0: uh yeah theo is stepping right in line
3: so cute like a mother duck. (laughs) as he falls into the back of the line.
6: Okay, so are you just following this little progression at a distance? Are you trying to catch up? No, I actually want
1: to get in front of it. Okay. Like, I want to approach him head on, like run out and ahead and then loop back around so that I can walk up. Commodore, fantastic to see you. What are you doing in Clearwater? Oh, hello, Captain Calhoun. Callahan, sir, but very close.
6: Yes. Hello, uh, pardon me, we're on official business. Anything you think my crew and I could help you with? Certainly. You don't get to be the first, but certainly, I'm sure you, and he looks you up and down with disdain, would be very
1: interested in this. I will sort of step out of the way and give a little bow and a gesture for him to continue so that we can follow.
6: All right. This progression makes its way to the city center and there is a small parade because I think you and the people recognize as you have gotten this close that what they're carrying are posts that have a job and these are copies of it and they make their way to the main work board and uh, Fitzwalter himself grabs one of the sheaves of paper out of a crate and pins it to the board. Both of his soldiers set the crates down and kick them open, and they step back.
1: Uh, I will confidently go grab one.
6: All right, and people are rushing forward because the Queen's Navy does not generally bring stuff all the way out here Um, So people are almost fighting for them, but you are right there. So you're able to grab one. And it is a work missive that details that a pirate ship had stolen personal property from Queen Anne herself. There is a drawing of a beautiful, ornate, but small chest. And it was stolen by one Captain Ferguson Hodge, the captain of the ship, the Pallid Visage. And the reward for its safe and intact, unscathed return is either 10,000 coin or any current bounties on the ship that makes the return will be completely
1: revoked, which,
6: as any pirate knows, does not have a price tag.
1: Am I familiar with Captain Hodge or the Pallid Visage?
6: Yeah, I think so. I think you know that... They do more or less what you do, but they're not as good at it?
1: That's quite a reward, Commodore.
6: Yes. The Queen is incredibly
1: generous. I don't suppose you, being such a high-ranking official, know what exactly they took, do you? Only that it was something dear to Her Majesty.
3: Hello, Fitzwalter. Sayer. How many of your own men are out looking for this? How many shots are we going to take from yours... As we go out on this goose chase.
6: I think that depends entirely on your helmsman.
3: I think there's just a long look and then I start to, it sounds strange, but I start to like just chew the air and turn away and look out the window.
1: I will turn to the three of them. Well, what say you all? Do we take after the bounty on behalf of Her Majesty's Navy?
0: How many bounties do we have racked up against us? <laughs>
1: A
6: fair few. Um, yeah. I'm not sure that you know specifically, but you know that there are some. I will say some, um, which is enough to put not just the Navy on you, as you all well know from having been chased in the past, um, but privateers and conscripts as well.
2: I mean, I don't know about the rest of you. My record is pretty spotless. Just some petty theft, light treason, impersonating a member of the clergy,
0: indecent exposure. I could go on. (laughs) How the hell did Hodge get his hands on this?
3: Phenomenal question. That's the thing I was just chewing over in my mind. That man is a boob. (laughs)
1: Um, Commodore? Yes? From where, precisely, was this stolen? It was being
6: stored on a ship at Warway Haven, which you all would know is a small island just east of the Queen's Garden. Lily's Rest is the island where the capital, Queen's Garden, is. Uh, is located Uh, warway haven is the smaller island just east that is used as a staging ground for a lot of the military
3: what the hell was hodge doing that far in to the queen's waters and i'm talking to the two of them as as callahan talks to fitzwalter
1: and i think i'm asking the same question of the commodore (laughs) like i'm just going do you have any idea what hodge was doing in that area he stiffens
6: up like he can't hide some some sort of embarrassment, some sort of, you know, little thorn in his side with this question. We aren't sure. The ones in charge of Haven at the time may have gotten a little cocky about who might be close.
1: Hmm. I mean, I saw him stiffen up. Can I discern whether I think like that he knows more than he's letting on, or... Yeah, you can certainly try. I would call that a size up,
6: which, when you size someone up, you roll with vinegar. On a hit, you hold two. Seven to nine, they hold one as well, uh, and those are... What sorts of treasure are you carrying? How are you actually feeling? What's your goal here? What aces do you have up your sleeve? And how could I get you to blank? But you spend hold one for one to ask those questions. Okay, vinegar is not my best
1: thing. Four.
6: (laughs) Uh, Firstly, mark experience, because this game also works off of, if you fail, you get to mark experience. And the read you get on him is that he is furious with someone. Uh, Somebody messed up and he is out to right that wrong. You are just sure that this stiffness to him is tied to that.
1: All right, I will turn back to the others. Well, someone fucked up and let Hodge too close. He's pretty pissed off and he effectively wants the head, whoever they are. But in the meantime, they're trying to cover up an embarrassment.
0: We're gonna have a lot of competition out there.
1: Oh, a tremendous amount of competition, yes.
6: Even as she said this, like, yeah, the, the crates are all but empty by now. And even this small hall is almost empty. People have rushed out.
3: We've got to be careful. There's something that's off. This could be a very simple and inexpensive way to remove many, many pieces from the board for the queen.
0: I mean, Hodge has to know everybody is out for him. Where would he go?
1: Do we know enough about Hodge to know, like, his common haunts or anything? I don't think so, but I certainly think you know people
6: that do that. Like, they are people that collect information and... For a price, we'll dish it back out.
3: Hodge is more than likely going to find someone who can help him if he thinks he's in over his head. He may be a stupid man, but he is not someone who believes his skill to be drastically higher than it is. As soon as he realizes where he is, his situation, he may not go to ground as much as go to help.
1: Uh, Commodore, one last question, please. He just sighs. Where did you lose Hodge's trail? We had tracked him as far as
6: a few miles past Guildworth, southwest of the Warway Haven.
1: We lost them in a storm. Right. Crew any uh any final questions for our fine commodore?
2: Would you like to get your fortune read for 50 coin? I think I'll be all right. That's a rain check. All right.
6: <laughs> and <laughs> By now, uh, the crates are full-on empty, like the last straggler had crept in, snatched one out from under the gaze of the guard and taken off, and uh, the guards put the lids back on and heft them up. Fitzwalter gives you all a passing nod as you're pretty much the only ones left and starts marching back to his ship.
3: Um, I think as he leaves, I'm going to use the hole that I have from Prophesied. So as they pick up the crates, I get this brief vision of Fitzwalter turning and the wind buffeting him and a scrap of paper blows off of him, something tucked in his coat. And as this vision fades, my eyes kind of clear and I take three quick steps to the left so that when this happens, I'm standing right where the paper lands on the ground.
6: Oh, that's good. All right. He walks out. You see a small slip of paper
3: flutter to the ground. I'll readjust my foot so that my boot is covering the paper and look back at the group. Are we going? Absolutely. Hey, it's a good thing we had the crew make ready, huh? That's true. We may be some of the first out.
1: I'm glad I thought of it.
3: It's just, again, there's that chewing the air <laughs> as he's trying to process what just happened. And as the other three pass by me, I'm going to move my foot and scoop up the little scrap of paper and read it as I follow behind them.
6: What you read is a letter. It is short, written from Fitzwalter, which says, Vice Admiral Argo Wright The goods have been delivered. Fire away. And you know Vice Admiral Argo Reif is the most renowned pirate killer in this world. ¶¶
5: Tides is a Crit Show Studios production. This episode edited and produced by Brendan Wentz, with music by Jake Purley. You can find the Ashcan for Rapscallion at magpiegames.com. You can learn more about The Crit Show at the Podcast.com. and hear even more weekly content at patreon.com slash thecritshow.
0: The Fable and Falling Network, where fiction producers flourish
7: where am i welcome to desert skies traveler your journey through the physical plane has come to an end i am the attendant my colleague here is the mechanic yo this is your last stop on your way to the great beyond it's our job to make sure you're prepared for the ride now before hitting the road we have an impressive selection of over 34 varieties of microwavable burritos. Um, what, what, what's going on? There's gotta be a better afterlife than this. I mean, come on. Uh, that's offensive. Something seems to be wrong. You left something major undone. I have a life outside of this gas station, you know. You quite literally do not. Any hobbies? Nope. Ever travel? Nope. Love interest? Are you kidding? Oh my god. You're like the human version of a plain bagel. Cash register. How can I help you, attendant? Play some music? You got it. It's kind of funny, though. What I needed wasn't back there. It was here, waiting for me. I wonder what it feels like, Mac, to miss the physical plane of people you left behind. You know, I had a wife who died three years ago. Wish I could go back. No, you don't need to go back. You just need to be here. And a new traveler approaches. Ready, team? Ready. Good. Let's do this. Find desert skies wherever you listen to podcasts.